Stephen Byrne on 2FM. Welcome back to another weekly roundup of everything that happened on the show at the weekend. I just had to say that extra quick. Anyway, this week, as I always say, was a massive week. But I honestly mean it. We had some of the biggest stars in music and film on the show. Timothy Chalamet joined us to talk all about Dune alongside his co-star Zendaya. And she just kept playing down her role in the movie. Yes, she's only in for a little bit, but it sets up a role for Dune 2, which this week just got announced as well. So if you've seen the movie already, there is some good news for you. It is getting pretty much five-star reviews across the board. It's an absolute blockbuster, and if you don't know what it's about, it's based basically on the hugely influential sci-fi novel of the same name by Frank Herbert. Uh, And in the film, we follow Chalamet's Paul Atreides, whose family inherits custody over the planet Arrakis, which is also known as Dune. It's an unforgiving desert, um, basically a world that also hosts the only source of something known as spice, the most valuable material in the world. And... There's a lot of plots going against them to try and get that island, not, not that island, that planet and all that spice. So it also stars Rebecca Ferguson, stars Oscar Isaac, stars David Bautista, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård. So many massive names in this one. And here's what they had to say all about the film. Um, I mean, Budapest, Jordan, Abu Dhabi, Norway, and then on that carpet in Venice. Um, is this just the most fun that you have had in the longest time? Well, there's a quarantine and a pandemic between. Yeah. That only <laughs> experience. That's very true. That is very true. You guys look absolutely incredible. And, and uh, what you did on Venice as well was stunning. And uh, the details of everything just really reflected, in my opinion, the details of this movie. It is so intricate in every single way. And I feel like it is the best movie to get people back to the cinema right now after everything that's happened. Um, during the process of it and making it, you know, there's big expectations on on properties like this. But did you know this was going to be as good as it as it is? I feel like yeah. I, get, I can speak to a little bit more because I'm I was only in it for a little bit, so I feel like I'm still an outsider a little bit. <laughs> so as a fan, I can say, um, you know, when you have a cast like this, people like this, talented underneath, um, you know, the creative eye of of Denis Villeneuve. I mean. It, mm-hmm like it's a dream it's an absolute dream and and i feel incredibly lucky to be a small piece of it um but for i now. had a for now it would be something special yeah <laughs> for now without being presumptuous for now, enough, for now. you know um a, a book like this as well is is so difficult to make on the big screen to make it so comprehensible for people i think and i feel like you did that for you guys did you wrap your head around it all very easily were you aware of the story before had you read the book I hadn't read the book. I read the book. I was about halfway through the book when I had the first meeting with Denis, and then I got mm. through the rest of it in less detail than I had the first half. But uh, since it's become one of my favorite books, I, you know, I, I say that with a hesitancy because I know there's people that read it when they were 15, 14. Yeah. They have that spiritual connection with it that you can yeah. only get to read like you when you read yeah. something as a teenager, you know. Uh, but now, in many regards, not only Paul's journey, but just the, you know, little jewels of uh, brilliance that are throughout the whole thing you know and that are really pertinent today as it relates to the environment as it relates to social inequality as it relates to young people fighting for you know what, what they believe in what they believe to be right when it comes down to it as well it just feels like this is a living breathing world which again is something so difficult to do um how important for, was it for you guys to be in those locations and and really feel like you were in living breathing places rather than maybe just always on a green screen i felt very lucky because like my main chunk of uh, of time uh, was immediately we like got to land in Jordan and it was I mean it was st- stunning like the 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 scenery was was gorgeous and we shot in you know in in this 
rock formation <laughs> 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 that I couldn't believe was real because yeah. it felt like it was made for the scene. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was very very special, and I felt like I had basically landed on this on this planet, and everybody was already in their costumes too. I didn't even meet you guys in like your yeah, civilian clothes, you know. So um, yeah, that was the coolest thing, and. I love I mean, the way also, you're acting funny. like you're just like, hey, I'm here. Hi. But it's like, <laughs> come on. You, you are a backbone to this entire movie, Zendaya. Stop. Well, yes. <laughs> you know, I, again, I, I can't I can't take much credit. Like, people be great. And I'm like, listen, I was there for like five days. I did my best work, but it's all them. You but know? she goes <laughs> over well, to you she guys. Goes the script. <laughs> um, I saw it in a small screen about two weeks ago, and I absolutely loved it. I get the absolute blessing and opportunity to watch it in IMAX tomorrow night, which I cannot wait okay, for. Okay. Yes, trust me. And I'm also mentally preparing to be punched in the face by Hans Zimmer. I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen. Um, the screen. It's 4D. Oh, he literally does. Straight out. <laughs> it would be an honor. Um, before we finish, um, everybody's talking online right now about that intense stare. You are looking in all our souls in Entertainment Weekly on the oh. podcast. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what, what did you do? It's um, funny because... <laughs> I love... I don't know, I saw some... It didn't feel as intense. It didn't feel as intense, but then I saw some Italian soap opera edit. Or what was that what it was? Yeah, like, I, don't even yeah. know, I don't even know what it was. Yeah, but it is... It's funny. There's been a, there's been a lot of memes. There yeah. has. From it. Um... Yeah, didn't feel I don't like think any of us knew her. That was I was gonna... in my socks. Yeah, she was. <laughs> um, got attacked by several bugs, you know. So, well, yeah, you go. looked absolutely yeah. incredible yeah. as you have through all of this. So, thank you so much, guys. Very much appreciate it. And as thank I said, you. congratulations. I'm looking forward to you all punching me in the face tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs>I'm not going to lie, Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, probably two of the nicest people I've ever had the chance to talk to, and it was incredibly surreal. Very, very surreal. Anyway, on Saturday's show, we were joined by the wonderful Joel Kari, who was playing a gig in Belfast this weekend, to talk about his brand new single with Mabel. It's called I Wish. Uh, as well as that, we broke down his track with the likes of Jax Jones, Charlie XCX, and Saweedy, Out Out, which for me was almost the soundtrack of the reopening after all the lockdowns and I think for many people it was the exact same thing as well uh, lovely guy and here's what he had to say all about the music Joel how's it going? Hey, Dan boys hey, very yes. very good I have to just say thank you so much for Out Out because honestly it has been the soundtrack to the opening here in Ireland for so many people oh mate yeah I'm glad you guys are, are feeling it and like like they mentioned I was over in Ireland um last weekend and when I played it the crowd went absolutely wild and yeah man I'm just buzzing that now everyone can get back out to live music again and you know no one plays like the Irish and it's like Ireland's like a second home to me as well you know how much I, I love touring there so it's great to be back and back in action what was that show like? Because I only got to experience it. Unfortunately, it was my sister's wedding, so I wasn't able to go. Um, oh, you know what? That's, that's, I'll let you off on that one. Yeah, it's it the best excuse. But I saw it all through the eyes of Dave on Instagram, and it just looked absolutely mental. Oh, mate, like I said, man, no one parties like the Irish, and, and the crowd, I always get such an amazing response when I, you know, when I was coming to Ireland all those years. And, yeah, just to be back there, sold-out show at the Academy, it was the perfect night and the crowd just brought the energy, man. It was, I mean, Dave will tell you, it was absolutely wicked. And yeah, I can't wait till I come back again. 
Yeah, and I gotta say, big up, man, for playing like a three-hour DJ set as well. Like a lot of people on tour don't hit three hours every night on tour, so that's a big look for you as well. Yeah, no, honestly, I would play five if I could. <laughs> like, it's, uh, Please do. With, with, with my headline tour, it's important for me to get my DJ inside across because I know that everybody obviously knows my records that are on radio and stuff, but. You know, my DJing is my passion, which I've been doing since I was a teenager. So mm. for my headline tour, I made it three-hour sets minimum because I've got the chance to obviously play the records that people, you know, are wanting to hear, um, sort of the hit records. But then it also allows me time to create that journey in the set and finish with some deeper, harder stuff that I love to play. So, yeah, it's important for me to, to get that across in my sets. All right, well, you were the sound of the summer last year, and this year you just did it all over again. I was just talking there about Out Out. You got together. I keep calling it the Avengers. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> that whole team up of Jackson and getting, uh, of course, Charlie XCX, who's a love of mine, and then Saweetie on there too. Huge. And now moving on to this brand new track as well. What can you tell us about it? Oh, man, I'm so excited about the new single. So it's, it's called I Wish, and this one I've teamed up with Mabel. This is a record that I've actually been working on for a very long time. Um, it's, it's a special record to me. And I'm, I'm, that's why I'm just so happy that I've now got it finally out there. And, you know, Mabel was the best fit for this record and it's been amazing working with her. Um, back when I released Sorry, actually, a lot of people asking me in, sort of in those initial interviews who I'd love to work with. And I always said Mabel, so I kind of put it out into the universe and here we are a few years later and it's happened. And yeah, the track, man, it, you know, it's, it's got such a lot of emotion in it. And I feel like the timing of, of the record coming now, going into those winter months where it does get a little bit chilly, hopefully this track will uh, warm people up and give them some good times this winter. Well, I feel like we're due another summer just because we had, we were cheated out of one. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just totally saying summer of, of 2021 is going to last until summer of 2022. It has to happen. I think so. Yeah, yeah, man. Listen, listen. I think we're already for, for summer 2022 already, man. I feel like this summer just kind of like we didn't, we kind of got it, but kind of didn't. And um, well, you kind of did. We were watching on idly as, uh, as the UK was just setting the template for us. Well, listen. Next summer's gonna be the one, isn't yeah. it? I think next summer we the whole year. There just needs to be summer next year. I think. So at the moment, obviously the agenda is the song, but gigs, gigs, gigs. That's what's going on. Yeah, man, I'm back on tour. I actually just got back from the US and had my first US tour, which was absolutely phenomenal, man. It was a dream come true for me to get out to the US and play some shows out there. And amazing to see that my music's kind of translated, you know, over there. And I, I didn't expect that at all. I was kind of totally taken back by it. But yeah, they, you know, over there, they were they were loving all the records. And, and um, yeah, then I got back from my US tour and I'm now on the UK and Ireland tour, which has been an amazing start last weekend in Dublin, Glasgow and Aberdeen. I'm in Belfast this weekend and I just was in London in Printworks last night. So, mate, I'm on top of the world. I'm playing all the best venues that I've wanted to play for so many years. And yeah, just, just yeah, loving my life. <laughs> and so you've got some pretty good names on that tour with you as well, don't you? Doesn't he, Dave? <laughs> If you are uh, heading yeah, to Belfast Dave, tomorrow Dave's night, yeah, Dave's playing with me tomorrow night at um, the Telegraph Building. It's yes. Halloween in Belfast. I'm very excited out. for that. I'm looking forward to the road trip. Are you going to be wearing some costumes? Are we going? Dave, you better be dressed up. I have to do something now. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see yeah, Joel's? That's part of the deal. Did you see Joel's uh, makeup he got done yeah. last week? Yeah. I was like. I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Mate, I'm bringing someone with me just to do. I, I love fancy dress and Halloween, yeah. so I'm literally bringing someone over with me to do a, to do a full thing. So yeah, it's going right, to be a cool. great show though, and um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Absolutely, Amazing. Joel. Thank you so much for having a chat with us. Very much appreciated. Congratulations on the new single. Hopefully, see you back here in Dublin again uh, very soon, or even elsewhere in the country too, because I know uh, there's been gigs there in the past. So uh, congratulations on everything. Oh, thanks, guys. Always great to chat. And Dave, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, buddy. (laughs) That was Joel Curry talking all about I Wish, the brand new track with Mabel. And on Sunday, we were joined by Thomas and Mackenzie to break down her brand new movie, Last Night in Soho. If you're looking for a horror with a difference, this is one to definitely check out. Directed and written by Edgar Wright, it is based in London and basically all about the ghosts that centre on the streets of London and in the buildings of London. Um... There's one of the lines in the movie which I think was just fantastic and it's when they basically say, one of the characters says, someone has died on every corner and in every room in this city and I think that is just such a spooky, spooky concept and that is what it's all about. It's all about the character Eloise. They call her Ellie in it. She's just moved from Cornwall to to London and it's very, very different for her. It takes over and a room that she rents starts to turn on her. I don't want to give too much away. So here's Thomas and Mackenzie, the star of the film, to talk all about it. Uh, Thomas, thank you so much for talking to us. Very much appreciated. And congratulations on this film. I absolutely loved it. As a massive fan of horror, I felt like it just took it in a completely new direction, which we haven't seen before. But that is what we would expect from Edgar Wright. So can you tell me a bit about working with the man himself and what he brings to a project like this and how exciting it was to be within the room with him? Yeah, I loved working with Edgar. You know, he's got such a unique vision. And it was really interesting for me seeing how he brought that vision to reality. Um how he worked with his with um, Chang Chan Hoon, the cinematographer, and the first ADs, and the whole the whole crew, and um, how he communicated. Um, yeah, it was really wonderful, and I think he definitely challenged me in that. Naturally, um, my, I know I think my comfort zone in film is naturalism, and so he challenged me to reach beyond that, um, which I really appreciated. And I just love how um, you know, passionate he is about his craft and what he does, um, and how much of himself he puts into what he does as well. He's a, yeah, a really incredible person. Was the 60s something you'd given much thought to before? Was it a, an era that you uh, idolized in any way? And I, I personally just love how this film gives, you know, the beauty of nostalgia, but also at the same time, how detrimental that can be sometimes to forget um, yeah. how not everything uh, can be viewed through those rose-tinted glasses. So how much knowledge did you have the six, of the 60s and especially in London? I think um, I definitely didn't have as not as much knowledge of the 60s as Ellie did. Mm. Um, but I am I've always been a big lover of the Beatles and other, you know, musicians and, and, and music from that time period. Um, and I also really loved the fashion from then. I feel like fashion kind of took a turn in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, like people like designers like Mary Quant really made a huge difference. Um, you know, this just the skirts getting shorter and shorter and shorter and kind of crazy color combinations and, and patterns coming out. Um, so yeah, I was I've always been fascinated by it, but it was a really great opportunity to do a deeper dive into into the sixties. 
And were there moments on set where you picked the brains of the likes of Diana Rigg? And <laughs> what was this actually like? I think yes and no. I definitely, we heard some amazing stories from Diana and Terence and Rita. Um, you know, it was so valuable to have their um, input or just like yeah, to hear their experiences from back then, as well as um, like working in Soho, we met so many amazing characters who were very willing to tell us all about their lives. Um, and it all just kind of fed into the film. Um, but also I was just kind of in awe that I was working with them all. Um, I read a book called Ready, Steady, Go in preparation for filming, which is all about the 60s and about the icons from them. So I was literally reading about Rita and, and Terence and, and Diana. So I was like, this is very, very strange. <laughs> And then just giving them, yeah, when you came into work and being like, yeah. okay, let's make this normal. Yeah. Um, those horror scenes as well, like you actually really made me not want to go back to that bedroom myself um, in those regards. So mission accomplished with that. How much do you love working in horror or at least psychological horror as well, which you've done on a few occasions? Yeah, um, I definitely, it wasn't intentional to, to do so, to have so many like kind of horror, psychological thriller films come out recently, but I, I really enjoy it. I think, I don't know, for me, it's just like a a normal film set, I suppose, except just yeah. much more blood and gore. Um, I Yeah, I think... Um, for me, it was just about getting to know Ali and to, and going on that journey with her, and that's how I approach all my characters to be, you know, to 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 believe in them and to kind of um, yeah, just to take their reality seriously. So I'm um, in that way. It was very similar to anything any other kind of genre. Congratulations. Um, and weirdly enough, the first ever pint of Guinness I as an Irishman had was in the Toucan, which is a very oh funny- my gosh. Very, very funny experience when I saw that on screen and went, oh. Yeah, that is so crazy. Well, the the writer, um, Christy, she used to work at the Toucan. Yeah. And she's the one that taught me how to pour a pint. She taught me at the Toucan. A proper pint of Guinness. Yeah. Amen. She taught me how to do the shamrock and everything. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. And congratulations on this. I loved it. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Stephen Byrne. On 2FM.